Hello, and welcome to Behind the Music, a series of conversations with musicians and other people from the music industry in the DFW area. For this podcast, I was fortunate to be able to speak with Andy Timmons about his journey as a musician. And now, my conversation with Andy. Right. All right. So we are sitting here in Andy Timmons' uh, studio, uh, n- not in his garage. No, we're <laughs> not in the basement. No, not in the basement. We're actually in the attic. We're in the basement on the of the third Alamo. Floor here, <laughs> and uh, this room is chock full of equipment, and we will talk a little bit about yeah. that in a few moments. A little, little gear. Uh, but right now, Andy, thank you for taking the time to Thanks, talk Sam. to all the KNO and listeners. I'm very happy. Oh, thank you so much. Happy, happy to be here with you. Uh, so, um, let's start with um, kind of a little bit, you know, let's take a historical perspective if we can. Sure, sure. Right, so, you grew up in the Dallas area, correct? Well, I got here as soon as I could, but I, I, I got here in 1985, so... Oh, really? So I bounced around quite a bit. I grew up in Evansville, Indiana. Oh, no kidding. So, so there... Yankee. Yankee. Well, in a way, I was born in, in, in Phoenix uh, in, right. in 1963, yeah. uh, and then from the age of 5 to 18, I uh, was in uh, Evansville, Indiana. Then I transferred to the University of Miami my third and fourth years of college. Oh, wow. So that was my, my, again, my third and fourth year, I was a jazz guitar major. My first two years of college, I was a classical guitar major in Evansville. There was a classical guitar program. Oh, wow. Though I came up, you know, from the age of five as a, as a rock player. So there's, there's lots of history to get into. But as, yeah, far as, yeah, yeah. as far as where I lived and how I got to Texas, I met a couple of players that were going to the University of Miami, but had also spent time in Denton at North Texas. Oh, really? Ba- okay. Bass player, a great bass player named Steve Bailey, who at the time was working with Dizzy Gillespie and Paquito de Rivera. Heavy in the jazz world. And there was a drummer named Ray Brinker who was just leaving Maynard Ferguson's band. But they wanted to move back to Denton where they'd gone to school to uh-huh. form a rock band. And so they asked, you know, they were asking around in, in Miami, well, who's the, who's the rock guy in, in town? And I had a reputation by that point. And uh, we connected. And that's how I ended up in Denton in, in August of 1985. Wow. Was forming a band with those guys. And uh, been, so it's essentially been home ever since. There was a bit of a, a detour when I moved to New York for the Danger Danger Band in 19... 19- 89, but I came back to Texas in 93. Uh-huh. So, but it's been home essentially since the 80s, you know. Right, yeah. right, right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What, a, what a history. So you went to UNT and... I didn't. That, we, we actually just, you know, when I left Miami, I had my fourth year of college, but I would have had about another year to go to graduate, but just kind of decided that, you know, I had to offer to join this band that, you know, I was going to be put on retainer. And sure. So instead of, you know, going further in debt on student loans, but right. I, had, I had the benefit of being in Denton you know, because it was such a great, uh, great bunch of players from all over the world. Oh, there's a tremendous amount of musical talent in Denver. It's it's incredible, incredible and so yeah. so there was I had access to all these great players and got got immersed into that scene. Even though a lot of people think I went to UNT because I lived in Denton, right? But uh, that was not the case. But again, had the benefit of what a music school brings, and it's it's this collective of incredibly creative and driven people. Sure, and that's sure. important. It's important to be around, especially at that time of your life where. You've got all this energy and this passion right. for what you do, and to be around other like-minded people that are working—that you know—that you well, you hope to find people that are working as hard as you are. Right, and you feed off each other. Oh, right? absolutely. You learn together, right? You get and you, you grow get together, you yeah. get as much from that as, if not more so, than the curriculum of the university. And that's and that's what I found when I was in Miami for sure, because the level of playing was just so high. And then again, coming to Denton 
and I, Denton was a, just a, it's much more me than, uh-huh. than Miami was. Sure. Miami was kind of a rich kid school. I mean, I, I paid back student loans for years to go there, but it was, you know, it was just a different scene that I wasn't used to. Yeah. But when I get to Denton, it's more laid back like the Midwest, and it's just more of a hippie kind of vibe. Ah. Uh-huh. As at least it was back then. Maybe okay. it, maybe it's retained some of it now. I'm, well, I'm not sure. sure it has. You know, Fry, <laughs> you Fry around, Street doesn't look the same, but well, the, but the zebra's still there, which you, is good. You walk around the square and you can see that sort of hippie. Okay, well, good, but and that's and that's and that's yeah. a, that's a creative bohemian kind of kind of thing that, oh, that's that, right. that, that where artists thrive. Where sure, you know, but sure. it's okay to be me, and I and I've got people around me that. You know, aren't necessarily like me, but have a have a have a creative drive and. Well, you get support and validation for for which those is choices, huge, right? It's it's yeah. hugely important, right? right? So so that was a great place. That was some of the happier years of my life. You know, I, I just remember how freeing that was. I of course I have my own bands, but just I just the vibe of the town and it was just right. really nurturing for the artists. You know. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. All right now. Um, we did meet one of your sons, Alex. Right? That's Alex. That's my, yeah. my our only our only child, but Alex. Uh-huh. Alex is 17, yeah. Wow. Okay. So that was, you know, yeah. kind of you're married? Married now, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell you how many years as soon as I oh. do some math here real quick. Okay. Uh, let's see here. This is 220, 2021. 20, 2021. <laughs> so I'm going to it's going on 20 it'll be 24 years. Wow, congratulations. Thank you very much. Very or no, good. it'll be You got to get it right now. I bet no, it'll be 25 years in November. 20, Oh boy! I know. It's what, a big one. What is that paper towel? Uh, yeah. Plywood. <laughs> is that the plywood anniversary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I better. I better start shopping now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh my goodness! Wow. I know, right? So that's right. Fives and zeros are the important. Five. Ones. You got the, the the fives and zeros. So yeah. Uh, any any re- any recommendations for a twenty fifth anniversary present? Uh-huh. I get the feeling it's going to just be a nice trip somewhere. By then, it's like you know we haven't gone anywhere together. Right. For, for quite a while. So well, you do a lot of traveling, anyways, right? Used to. Well, back back before you know yeah, March of twenty twenty. Right. It's yeah. interesting because yeah yeah I've been blessed that part of my of what I do part of that is travel and so right. I've seen so many parts of the world sure, that I sure. it's been an amazing education and it does so much to broaden your mind and to see how other cultures you know function and it's it's so beneficial to witness that. You so know? talk a little bit about the. Um, the travel in Europe yeah. from people that I've, other hmm. entertainers and musicians I've yeah. spoken to, Europe seems to be very different than the U.S. in terms of, of, of how you survive as an artist over there. Well, and, and, yeah. yeah I, so, so talk a little bit about that. I think, well, it's, it's, it's hard to really quantify specifically, but, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's a lot easier for you know at least musicians of my ilk, which are some of the more musician-oriented type music. As far as I do, I play a lot of instrumental guitar music. Sure. That most yes. people know me in my career from that. Though I've been in some bands with vocalists, clearly, but you know the, the drummer I work with, Simon Phillips. But uh-huh. a lot of people that are either kind of in the jazz world or in the the, the respected musician community, right. they're going to have an easier time gigging over there. Really, you know, there's there's more work. There's uh, I, I think there's just a more not that there's not fans here in the states. Sure, it's just they're spread out and and so far and in these little pockets in some of the bigger cities, it's just harder for certain bands to be able to tour and have it be equitable. Yeah, you, you know? can you can tour Europe very easily because it, everything yeah. is very compact. And that's true too. You move around fairly right. easily, usually with a tour bus and yeah, and can get from town to town. That's normally how we would travel. Either if it's my band or Simon's band, it would be. With Simon, we would we would usually like just you know do a gig and then drive overnight to the next town. Sure. Roll into the hotel at four in the morning and 
Hit right. play the next day. You know, it's been. It's but been, I think that happens a lot. You hear that story from no, a lot that's of people true. in the U.S., right? Yeah. No, that's true. It's it's, yeah. it's not that much different, but as far as the the modes and means of right. of operation. But for whatever reason, yeah, it's been easier for me to tour in the Far East and uh, you know uh-huh. the Pacific Rim and, and Europe. So where are the Pac Rim have you been? Um, well, you know, I first Everywhere? went, I, yeah, I, I literally, so I, I, uh, wow. I started my, my first trip to, to Japan was in, tw- uh, 1990 with Danger Danger. Really? So there's a, even though I went in a very different context at that point with a, with a kind of a pop metal band, you know, the, the, there's a loyal fan base once you have sure. fans over there, it yeah. seems to be. And, but as I, as I got well, well, better known for just my solo work, but I, but I, I went back there many times with Simon and with Olivia Newton-John, who I worked with for oh, fi- really? 15 years. Oh, I, I didn't realize you, you were... I was her music director for 15 years. Wow. A little, little thing I was doing for, for quite a while. Just a little side job, a little right? thi- Exactly that, but it was... A, a, we can talk more about that. But, the, but in addition to Japan, then branching out through you know, all over China, when I was um, in the late 90s, when China started opening up a bit, I, uh, you know, being with... A, a Japanese guitar company. My my main guitar is an Ibanez guitar that uh-huh. they built for me sure, in 1994, sure. yeah. which they had. That's my signature model that right. they have available. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So um, you know they have you travel and do guitar clinics, and it's a wonderful way to right. get into markets that maybe you haven't traveled in. But all over, uh, even to Indonesia and Thailand and Malaysia, um, South Korea, Hong Kong, of course, yeah. um, Australia, New Zealand. Oh, absolutely, but yeah. not not in that context. I've been I've been to those places with Olivia because that's that's her home base. Uh, okay. Well, that's where she that's where she was raised. She moved to England, you know, in her teens. Uh-huh. So she kind of is considered both a, you know, an Aussie and somebody from uh, yeah. from England. You know. <laughs> well, you know, once once you're in the British Crown. crown yeah, system, there you're you're you're, 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 in, you're right? in the system. You're in. You're so in. doesn't it, matter. Canada, New yeah, Zealand, doesn't matter. And Thailand too, and of course uh, yeah. Taiwan. So again, I love I love the the Asian culture and right. and being able to tour and, and and play over there. I I treasure those those times, you know. Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit more about um, Olivia Newton John. Okay, so this is yeah, and this is one of those gigs that was kind of an oddball thing, but completely from association. Where I was, this had to be 1999. I'll, I'll never forget. I was in I was in Austin doing a record with uh, Sarah Hickman, who's a great. Oh yeah, sure. Uh-huh. We who we she and I knew each other from Denton back in those in the oh, in, yeah. in the eighties. Yeah. She started. She was an art student at uh, North Texas. Right, right. And so, but I was in I was in a studio in Austin doing a record with her, and I had a message back then on the on my answering machine. We didn't. Have, I don't think I had a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Not that I can recall anyway. And anyway, but it was Simon on my Simon Phillips on my instrument. Andy, do you fancy working with Olivia Newton John? You know, she needs a guitar player. Well, Olivia, you know, she had retired for many years. She had cancer in the early nineties, right. breast cancer. Right. And uh, and you know, had, just for all intents and purposes, had retired. She sure. had, she had a daughter. She decided to stay home with and raise and sure. didn't made the right decision, right? But uh, she started doing some dates in Australia and got her kind of toe back in the water. Well, she was managed by uh, Fitzgerald Hartley. And that okay. was Toto's manager, and of course Simon, in addition to the band that I was playing with him in, in Protocol, was a member of Toto. So they just kind of had put the feelers out. She was coming to America with a band that was backing John Farnham. Now John Farnham in Australia is kind of like the Bruce Springsteen. He's like oh, really? the biggest okay. singer ever wow. in that country. Sure. So it was his band backing her up, and one of the guitar players couldn't make the tour. So they were just like so need someone to fill management in. puts feelers out. Hey, we need a sure. guitar player. And Simon goes, Well, I know a guy. You know. Yeah. He, he, he's got a good work ethic or whatever, yeah. you know. But people get to know the way you work, and sure. so that's how these recommendations. Sure. So I, 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 uh, I get in contact with the management. They said, yeah, we're going to start in Vegas. 
you know, we're going to be on the road for a couple of months. Here's the, I didn't even get a set list or, or songs in advance, but I just, I figured, well, they, I mean, they must be doing all the hits. So I just learned all this stuff. And let's just say it went really well. I got out and uh, did great on the gig. Very cool. And they saw my work ethic and dedication. And, right. well, okay, she went, now that she's enjoying this again, she wants to come back. We don't need to bring this Australian band. Let's put Andy in charge. And then we put we, we formed a U.S. based group. So okay. got a couple of guys here from Dallas. Dan Wojciechowski, great drummer, uh-huh, friend of mine, uh-huh. Sam Swank. Oh got, yeah, got as uh, my other guitar player. Oh yeah. And then the management, you know, some L.A. folks, some and, Nashville folks, and then so the core of that band. So I was with them with her for 15 years, and it was it was kind of perfect because we'd go and do you know three four weeks here. Then I right. have time, to, all the time in the world, to do my thing and right. Simon's thing, right. and then and so she would just work just you enough. Firm up, you form up again, and you yeah. go do some and more. It was, and it was yeah. great. And the thing was, is that throughout that time period, I would have had other op- offers from more rock kind of bands and well-known right. bands. But it's like I like being with her, and I like the music, and it's fun. You know, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's a different part of my my skills, but I love. Right, I love it as much as I do anything else. Sure, and sure, there's a lot sure. of great guitar stuff on her records, and and the band that we put together had a lot of respect and has a lot of respect for her catalog and getting the music right. Not just, and I, I made sure nobody nobody made charts. Nobody's reading. It's like okay, really? learn the song, know the song. You know, so so when the because fa- for how, me how as many, the, how many songs would there be in the set list? Oh God, how I mean every night. I mean. We, when we started touring, we would do two and a half hours a night. Wow, okay. And still leave out hits. Yeah. I mean, she had such a, a lengthy career and such yeah. a variety of stuff. a big catalog, stuff. sure. Big catalog. I mean, I, I couldn't give you a number, but it's, you know, again, there'd be, you know, towards the end, maybe we'd do 90 minutes or, you yeah. know. So, but, you know, with a revolving, well, which 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 hits are we going to leave out? It's a great problem to have. Sure. But, uh, but no, everybody, you know, wanted to get it right for her. But also, I might, as the band leader, for me, it's, it's not about what we can do, you know, because there's some of the greatest players I could ever hope to play with. Right. But it's the respect for the people that are coming to the show. What do they want to hear? They don't right. care if I can shred a solo or, or, or whatever. It's, it's, it's not about that. It's really respecting the music and making it the best for her and for the audience. So that was, sure. it was a, and it was a lot of fun for a lot of years, you know. Now she's effectively retired. Her cancer has come back a couple of times. Oh, boy. So fortunately, she is, uh, she is again made it through another uh, another bout with that so very happy to report that she's doing okay. Oh good. <laughs> yeah, good, but we're good, still good. we're still very close and very very much in touch so she's been a great part of my life, man. Very cool. Did you do studio work for her? Was it just We did a little bit. No, nah, she she would do records along the way but sometimes it would be in Australia or I produced a, 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 a an updated version of Physical for her. She she <laughs> after a few years of, of working together she's like, you know, I feel like, you know, physical isn't really appropriate for me to be singing like this. But let me, could you do like an arrangement like as a bossa nova? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Oh, interesting. So she loved doing it as kind of a sultry, sure. sexy sure, kind sure, of. Sure, sure, And it worked that way. So we, oh, reco- we co- yeah. recorded a version of that that made it on one of her records. Yeah, so, oh, so a little bit of studio stuff. And there's, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of live records. Um, there's a really nice one that we did live with the Sydney Symphony at the at the Opera House. Oh, wow. And that's, 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 that's a DVD that's available. It's on uh-huh, uh-huh. All, the, all the different platforms. So. Sure. You can see, that's a good document of my time with her. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was fun. So it's, it's, it's this band, but then with the Sydney Symphony. So it's kind of a, well, yeah, it's, a, it's, a nice, cool. it's a nice you, format. You've got to be you know? in tune for that one, right? you got to be in tune for that. I try. I try. You, yeah. I haven't been in tune yet, but yeah. there's, there's, there's potential, you know. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So as... Who are your influences as a guitarist? Who who Man. did you? Now I know there's probably 
a bazillion of them. There's right? exactly a bazillion. Right. <laughs> it's like that's, but but if yeah, you had no. to pick maybe three or four, yeah, who would you who would you who would you say that that you would if you could spend some time playing uh, with oh, them? Oh, wow. Okay. Who would you want to Who would you want to go out with? Well, I mean, there's again the, for, as far as the influences that uh, at a very young age, it was just all the all the records that my older brothers were buying. So I was born in '63, ah, so around the cusp of the British invasion. So I had a brother that was 12 years older than I, uh-huh. and so he bought everything in real time. Every Beatle record that came sure. out, every Dave Clark Five, Kinks, sure. Yardbirds had you know he was particularly fond of animals and yeah. Herman, even Herman's Hermit. So we had that's my foundation, and so I have to say the Beatles as guitarists and as, as musicians in general, are my biggest, and still to this day. Sure. Still a fondness. that this, this, this Peter Jackson version of the Let It Be movie that's coming out, uh-huh. I'm, I'm just crawling out of my skin. I can't wait to see this. Wow, wow, yeah. Six hours, it's a six-hour special that they're going to stream over uh, three three shows on uh, Disney Plus in, uh-huh. in, in, thir- in, um, in uh, November. Okay, cool. Anyway, so it's ground, ground floor is the Beatles. Now then, when I started teaching myself how to play guitar in the 70s, it was... You know, arena rock, but it was it was Kiss and Rush and Foghat and Ted Nugent, right? And so Ace Frehley right. was a big guy for me because, you know, that's it was for a kid sitting in his bedroom in Evansville, Indiana, with, without a teacher. It was it was all the the classic blues rock stuff that he was getting from Page, Clapton, and Beck. Right. I was getting it that gener- that next generation from him. Right. And it right. was in a right. wonderfully well presented. I kind of right. always liken him to being the the slash of his day where. What he played was so perfect and great for the songs. We never really got the musician respect that maybe he should have, but so the so that would be a guy. And I have I have gotten jammed with him a couple times, which is cool. kind of gratifying for a kid. Yeah. That, and in Danger Danger, we opened for Kiss on two different tours. Oh, even no though kidding! That was yeah. it was after it was after he left the band and before the reunion makeup tours. Right. But I'm okay. talking about 80, 89 and ninety two. Sure. Or ninety and ninety two, the sure. Hot in the Shade and Revenge tour. So there was there was elements of the because my first concert was Kiss when I was thirteen. As far as ah. going to a concert, I saw Kiss on the Destroyer tour. So no yeah, that, that's <laughs> that, that's that's an impression. You know, yeah. I was already playing, but to see the spectacle and to be there and hearing this music, you know, it was like sure. I knew that's this is what I want to do. Wow. So the later you know to be rubbing elbows with Ace on stage a couple right. of times, and then obviously opening for Gene and Paul as right. Kiss at that time. Right. These are things I couldn't have even dreamt were possible when I was a kid. And, and, and again, growing up in a small town in Indiana. Right. So um, the next level for me would have been Steve Lukather. Okay. And, uh, of course, legendary session guy. He was in the band Toto, but played on countless great records. And it was right. his playing style that was, you know, he was learning some jazzy things from Larry Carlton and some of the guys that came just before him. So what was happening was I had this this wonderful rock foundation, but I was getting jazz lessons from sure. a local teacher. By the time I was 16, I, I realized this is going to be my life. I found a teacher. I better learn how to read because I was reading about studio musicians like right. Larry Carlton, Tommy Tedesco, a very famous session musician. Sure, sure. He had a column in the back of Guitar Player Magazine called Studio Log, and he he they would print a you know a, a a music sheet from the session. He would talk about what he did. So well, making it in a rock band is such a long shot. Well, this is what I can do, you know. So I thought, yeah. but I better learn how to read, you know. Yeah. And so that music teacher, Ron Pritchett, that I uh, sought in Evansville, Indiana, taught me how to read music very, you know, from sure. beginner level lesson one. But he was a jazz guy, so he was playing the Barney Kessel and Joe Pass and Oscar Peterson records. So I was hearing that, but then I heard a guy like Lukather that was clearly wonderful 
rock, but there was this other flavor happening. There was something else, a, I, a deeper piece. There was the, a deeper yeah. piece, and yeah. so he was the start of that, but then getting into Carlton, right. Mike Stern was another huge guy for me, Robin sure. Ford. Guys that, that started, their, their, their foundation is the blues and rock, but then this other information was just broadening their palate. Right. And still to this day, that's whatever makes me, me, it, it, it is, it's that element of all-inclusiveness. It's just being open to all these different things. Otherwise, I'd still be playing like Ace, which I very much played like Ace, you know, my younger. Sure. You can hear it on my early recordings. Sure, sure. There's some stuff I recorded in the early 80s with a local band in, in Evansville called Taylor Bay. Right. And you can hear me like, okay, there's Ace, but you can hear a bit of Lukather starting to kind of kind of come in there. Right. And a bit of jazzy stuff. So all these things, that's what any any individual musician that, that, that develops a voice of their own, which the longer you play, you're destined to do, whether, right. whether you realize it or not. But it, it's that collective you know, that collection of all the things you love. And, you know? and all the all the sounds that you hear. And you, yeah. You take a little from here and a little from there, and That's all of a it. sudden you have your sound. That's it. I, I call yeah. it, and I, I came up with a phrase for this that I hadn't heard anybody put into oh, any kind of vocabulary, yeah. but I, I taught it. I, I have a series of instructional videos sure. on a company called True Fire, and they, uh, I, I did a course called Melodic Muse. And, and the idea of the course was to how do we discuss where melody comes from? Either either improvisationally mm -hmm. or compositionally. You know, okay. where, where, where's this coming? What makes me want to compose this or play this? Uh, and so there's if, if you think about the intellect, it's the it's your intelligence. Like you can analyze. I know if I play that C natural and that A minor, that's the third. That's right. going to be the sweetest note. Or if I play a right. B, it's pensive because it's a non-chord tone, but it wants to right. go. It wants to resolve. Right, right. You can right, think right. about all these things, but what makes you do it naturally? And so I thought of the R elect, which is the intellect of your ear, your your inner ear. Okay, your aurelect, interesting word. So, yeah. so this, what, what, and what I'm getting at with that is that why were Lennon and McCartney such great writers? Or you can hear McCartney improvise melodies with all these outtakes that I've heard over the years of Beatles sessions. He might be whistling some melody while he's vamping on the piano. And it's one of the most beautiful melodies, and you never hear it again. It doesn't appear. They don't use it. I said that anywhere. There's been plenty. There's been plenty of spilled coffee in this studio. Yeah. Trust me. There's many stains I'm covering with carpets. No, but he, um, you know what? Why were they so great? Well, they they learned hundreds of tunes. They they were doing their residencies in in, uh, in Hamburg and playing the you know the lower is eight to ten hours a night of right. You run out of Chuck Berry and Buddy Holly real quick. Right. And so they you were have playing, to do something. They were right. playing. Yeah. They were playing show tunes and stuff they remembered from their parents' record sure. collection. Sure. So there was influence of more you know. More, let's say, more sophisticated, and so well, different genres. You start different to borrow genres, from different genres. Yeah. Different genres, and and maybe the, those 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 pieces of music may have been more uh, adventurous melodically. Sure. But as David Bowie described himself, it's kind of what I, how I think about all of us is that he's, he he described himself as a collector, and I love that because he didn't he didn't claim to be original in anything. He says, no, I just I, and and I think that's what we're doing. We're all the things that we've they, that we've taken in orally that we love, right? You know, it, it you know it gets stored in certain ways, and I think that as an improviser or composer, we're just wanting to write something or perform something as great as what we've loved. What's moved us and how it's moved us? How can I? I want to. I want to do that. How how does that come out of me in my own way? Well, it's this combination of all these things, yeah. and that inf that that I think really inform. Right. Like, if I hear this note on this chord. I, there's, I'm, I, I know what I want to hear next. I, I, it's going to be a pathway that, for whatever reason, that I formed in my 50-odd years of sure. playing, you know. 
So it's, 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 it's interesting to think about, but as Tom Petty would say, I don't want to look at it too, too closely because there's a magic there, you know? You don't, you don't want to... Well, you can, you can step off uh, into the world of music theory. Yes. And it will drive you nuts. Mm. <laughs> and, and, it and can. It, it, yeah, because there's, there's so many ways to analyze right. all these things, right? Uh, in the end, though, you as a performer have right. to figure out what you want to sound like and where you want to go with your music. So, for, so, so it was interesting for me because the music theory thing happened very late for me. Right. And I'm, I'm saying that as I got into college when I was, what, 17, 18. It was all these things that I kind of, I, I had already learned myself, but didn't know the, the proper names for, but a relationship between when you go from this A bar chord to a D bar chord. Oh, right. Oh, that's a perfect fourth. Okay, well, I, I just know that as <laughs> what yeah. that hand movement is or the sound of it. Right. So what's most important in music always, the winner is, how does it sound? Right. I don't care, is this, is this mathematically correct? Is this theoretically correct? Yeah. None of that matters. It does help in a, in a way to be able to communicate with other musicians to a certain level, but I will say that I'm sure the Beatles had no idea about theory. Stevie Ray couldn't have told you a scale or a mode. I'm pretty sure that didn't matter. It's what they did with their ears that right. that meant the most, where, where, that, where that Arlec drove them and how, how they collected what became them. You know? Right, but, right. So, if as as a teacher now, along with my career, you know, I have a, 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 a subscription guitar website called sure. GuitarExperience.net. There's my commercial, but there I, you, go. you know, I've gotten I've gotten to the point where it's 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 interesting and fun for me to explain what I'm doing, sure. even if I haven't really thought before how I, how I'm doing what I'm doing or how it relates, because that wouldn't have been how I conceived it. It was very much musically driven, but it's it's handy to be able to. To, okay, well, here's what this is. If you want to know that, you don't right. need to know that. Um, so, uh, you know, so it's a double-edged sword. I think theory can be helpful, but it can also be inhibitive because then some people are thinking within certain guidelines because they learn something. Oh, it has to be. Oh, you get structured. You can get yeah, and structure's not always positive. So right. Right. I say, you know, season to taste. You know, theory is okay, but <laughs> what's most important is that if it sounds good to you, it is good. That's right. that's the bottom line. Right. You know? right. right. Hopefully, other people dig it, but you got to you got to start with you digging it. You know? Right. Right. Of that's course. the most important. So we're sitting here in the studio, and I have to say that just over mm. um, uh, Andy's right shoulder mm. is a a standy, and for those who don't know what a standy, a standy. is, it's a standy. It's a two dimensional poster cutout yeah. of the Beatles. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And, right. Very proud of that one. That was when the uh, the Beatles anthology was coming uh -huh, out. Uh huh. Uh huh. So what year would that have been? Was that it was in the nineties, ninety five? Oh, I don't. It know. was so exciting because and what that poster is promoting or what that cardboard cutout is promoting is the uh, the free as a bird single. So I think I think the I think the original uh, documentary series aired on aired on ABC. Right. And one of the teachers was the first night they were going to play this unheard John Lennon track, which had been. You know, supplemented by the right. the surviving Beatles, and right. we were like, "Oh my God, this is incredible!" And then "Free as a Bird" played. I I bawled like a little kid. Of course, because there's John's voice. Well, they're your heroes, right? They're the I mean, heroes, yeah. and you hear John's voice. Obviously, it was from a cassette demo he'd done at the Dakota. Yeah, and so it's a little eerie because it's not as well recorded. Then Paul's voice comes in after John, yeah. and okay, I'm done. Check yeah. check please. Anyway, so that that's what that's from. I right. I, 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 lo I love that. That's great. Poster. Yeah. So Standy uh, comes from the the movie theater business, right? Oh yeah, for sure. They'd have the big cutout right, the of the big cutouts of, yeah. of the star or yeah, whatever sure. the Star Wars guy. They yeah. call them standees. I think right. that came from the Borders. That was on uh, Preston and Royal. I think. Oh yeah. Do they know what's missing? 
Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it was given to me. I didn't. I don't. I haven't stolen Beetle items in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Beetle items, yeah. one of the albums that that you did, which I think is phenomenal, mm. is you did the Sgt. Pepper's album. Yeah. As yeah. as an instrumental. <laughs> That's kind of crazy. It was. Well, beautiful. Thank, thank you, man. Thank you. Well, you know, I will. I will say this, and uh, that was. I mean, that was a labor of love. Yeah. But it was. It, it was really for the, the 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 people that I was hoping that would resonate with that, or people of of a certain age. Let's just say. Yeah. Because I, you know, I would get I, after I released that that record, um, which took a long time to get the courage to do. Let me just say that. But I would get emails from from folks through the website and from some younger people that were like, right. "Well, I'm not." I'm not really a Beatles fan, but and I'm like, wait a minute. There's people that aren't Beatles fans. First that, yeah. ha- that first that had to but I realized, okay, I, I was very fortunate that I grew up in the in the time of the Beatles, you know, and yes. had brothers that were buying the records. Right. But for so for some for some of us, and I realize now not all of us, but for some of us that those records are so ingrained. Oh, we, yeah. we know them so well right. that yes. so when I when I approached doing the record it kind of it kind of just fell down the stairs a certain way. I'd done Strawberry Fields as a standalone, right. just a live track with my band. Sure. And it was a promoter in Italy that goes, "Man, that that's going over. That's really going over well. You should do a whole night of Beatles next time you come." I'm like, "There's no way I could pull that off. Is that? You know, it's impossible." My self defeating mind be like, "Well, what if I did? You know?" Then right. I started kind of as a hobby. What if I did help or doodling around? In, yeah. You know, in yeah, my yeah. life, you know. The next one that fell into my fingers was Lucy in the Sky, just because it's such a beautiful. Oh yeah. It just fell nicely that keyboard arpeggio on the guitar. Right. So it became my hobby, and literally over a couple of years, I just was just, oh, what if I did? Oh wow, what if I could play the whole Sgt. Pepper record? Just me up here by myself for the complete, just the fun of. Okay, and the game was, you know, I need to replicate every part of the song as I hear it in my head. Sure. Is it the vocal? Is it the um, is it the guitar line? Is it the chicken? The sound effects, yeah. the George Martin strings, and so it's 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 from memory and and how I hear the record in my head, of this again this piece of music right. and this body of work that we know and love. But it's it's freaking Sergeant Pepper. How dare you even attempt to? Yeah, you know, it, it's a holy it's a holy. It is, and album, some people yeah. and, and I found out as I was doing this, the cheap trick right. was doing the same thing. Only they were they were, of course were approaching it like we're going to try to replicate this. Is exactly. They even they even employed Jeff Emmerich to engineer. Oh, did they? I was going to say, have you read Emmerich's book? I have read Emmerich's book. It's awesome. It's a great book. It's not necessarily accurate in all accounts, but that's another story. That yeah. that is another story. But then there's yeah. also an EMI book. Yes, I have it behind you. It's on the floor behind you. And the recording, and the, that, recording the Beatles. Yeah. Right. In that, there are notes from Emmerich. Yeah. There are pictures of notes in the book. It's incredible. I mean. Yes, in, you can mention any book, and there's a good chance it's it's nearby this room, sure, if not sure. in this room. So, the thing, but the thing, just to mention Jeff, yeah. not to disparage Jeff Emmerich, but there's there's many books that are written later in life where the memories aren't necessarily their own, right? And, and they're they're getting they're getting information from other people, and it's not always. But there's another uh, great uh, Ken Scott, another Abbey Road oh, engineer. I haven't seen that. But yeah. Ken Scott wrote a great book, and I saw him do his talk. It happened to be at the Nam show. They were yeah. about to release his book, and he starts his talk by going. People ask me, what was it like recording Eric Clapton's guitar solo on While My Guitar Gently Weeps? And he goes, I don't remember. That was 50, you know. He was just being honest. And he, he, he mentioned a couple of things in Jeff's books. Like, look, this, this didn't happen that way. Right. 
you know, and so it's, it, it gets to be opinion. And so he claimed in his book, unless he corroborated the story with two, other, two or three other people that were there, yeah, he yeah, wouldn't yeah, put it in. So there's, there's always going to be these varying it, opinions. But it's like because it's 50, 60 years old, right? Yeah. So who can remember well, there exactly? Well, there was one thing that, that Jeff claimed where, you know, he claimed that George Harrison cut his guitar solo with the strings because oh. there was not enough tracks. Yeah. What a brave move it was. Well, now you can hear the, the strings on their own on some, one of these, you know, releases. So it's like, okay, it wasn't on there. So not everything can be accurate, but there are stories that I absolutely are, are correct. And, sure. You know, like I, feel, and, I don't want to disparage Jeff in any way because obviously the, the body of work and his contribution is unbelievably huge. Right. You know, when he was starting with Revolver, he was, his first track he did with the Beatles was Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah. Welcome to the gig, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, well, I mean, we're going to do something he, completely different. And yeah. it, if I remember correctly, because I haven't read the book in a couple of years, he volunteered almost for the for the. He was kind of like a, the studio gopher. Yeah, I sitting think so. in. Yeah, no, he. I think yeah, got some kind of intern gig when he was really young. Yeah. And their engineer, their longtime engineer Norman Smith, was just leaving to manage or or be the producer for uh, Pink Floyd. Yeah. And so, because yeah, Norman and Smith had recorded everything from Nor from Love Me Do all the way through Rubber Soul. Yeah. And then Jeff, just the young, he was 21, 22. Yeah. Like, thrown into the fire, man. And, and, but he changed so many things, the way he mi closed mic'd instruments. And the, listen to the strings on, on Eleanor Rigby, where that, the mic is just right on the... Right, right on top of the... Right. You the, can hear the yeah. rosin on the bow. They yeah, said, yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. mean, you know. So, guitar's obviously your, your principal instrument. Do you play any other yeah, instruments? I do. That drum kit right there. Uh, oh, okay. I spend a bit of time on. I've got old, right. those old 60s uh, set of Ludwigs. That's okay. Yeah, no, that's that's Ringo. That's holy holy grail that's right. kit right there. <laughs> yeah, so I and I so I do play a bit of that, a bit of bass, you know, uh, a little bit of pia uh -huh. piano enough to write, not to perform, but to sure. to get around. Uh, sure, sure. And I was yeah, I was just uh, I was talking to somebody about that the other day where they had got into playing some bass and how it helps you really appreciate those that do it really well. Oh yeah. Once you start to dabble in somebody else's role, but it also helps you communicate better with that musician if you're in a band and, and, and needing to you know get somewhere with an, a part or something oh try this you know or because you then have a little bit more uh, informed way of communicating and, about and it. each each instrument has its own way of thinking about the song that it's in absolutely yeah right? yeah for sure so the way the bass player thinks about a song that you're playing and the oh. way the lead guitarist or the sure. way the drum is they're all think but it ha all has to gel well that's just it that's and that's that's a big thing about any musician that I that I work with, and 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 what I hope I bring to every musical situation is it's it's not about me, it's about it's about this collective and what can I do to make this better, and and, and that's a that's a matter of consideration. It's like it's not like what what can I do to, you know, make my part the greatest it can be. It's a okay, but if I'm doing this, how's this affecting every other thing? Sure. And if you get a room full of people that are all kind of in that mode, then you can really achieve some greatness. Right. That you're not going to get on your own, you know, I can sit here and record a track just fine, and it'll have a certain feel to it. Right. But if you get a room full of people like-minded and, and it's considerate, yeah. it's a beautiful way. It's, it's the know. magic of music. It's the magic of, it, it, when it's made in that way. Like, right. Like, the, sure. like a lot of our favorite records were done. Right. You right. know. Right. Live it's, in the studio. Live in the <laughs> I mean, so many of those early Beatle records were just, and singing live while they're playing, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, you yeah. mentioned uh, uh Ted Teducci, right? It, the the whole um, uh, 
the group that did all the recording. I can't think of the. the, the oh, Teddy. Uh, yeah, I, I was talking about uh, Tommy Tedesco. Oh, the, Tommy the, Tedesco. The, the yeah. Wrecking Crew. Yeah. That Wrecking Crew, right? Well, that's the thing with the, yeah the session cats where you you know they yeah. they they know how to gel and find their space. That's going to help the greater. Oh, well, and they also know how to produce a song in ten minutes, right? Now, yeah, you, true. You, you hear stories about well, we finished the A side. They got yeah. ten minutes left in the session. Yeah. We got to do a B side. All right, knock it out. Well, you look at the Beatles sessions, and it's kind of what illuminates how great they were, because they were doing three tracks a day. And a lot of times, John and Paul would have written the song, but they were just showing it to George and Ringo right. on the day. Right. And they're coming up with these iconic parts, you know. And, and all of a sudden, it's a record. Yeah, and you hear that you, if, you, if you're a fanatic like me and listen to every outtake ever, you know, right. you, you see this progression of how the song... Within a couple hours, goes from oh that's that's a little shaky oh that doesn't work oh there it is <laughs> you know yeah. and it's uh, yeah well right. of course that's the benefit of having a lifetime of absorbing the sure. final version but it's always fascinating to see how it gets there you know right right yeah. so what's next next is I've got uh, a record coming out in September um, oh cool there's a there's a guy there's a, a great blues guitar player I call him blues but he's he's he kind of everything his name is Josh Smith. And he's just a guy that I kept seeing on YouTube. Um, he grew up with Derek Trucks in Florida, so he's the same age as Derek. And I will say, on his instrument, he's as good as Derek. He's just this... He's, he was a Stevie Ray kid, and when I say that, there's you know there were kids after Stevie Ray passed away that would come up sounding just like Stevie. There was sure. this you know, whole generation of players that... And, and it's a beautiful thing, because what a wonderful hero to have. Right. So he was... He, was, he tells us a great story. He was... Josh was... 13 or 14, he was playing a blues festival. He was going to go up and do his Stevie Ray thing because he, 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 he had it. He was just fully, fully right. formed, could play like that. Well, before he gets up, there's a, a band of guys in their 60s, and they're doing the same stuff. Oh, <laughs> and he's going, I need to do, I need to do this differently. And, and, and that's a wonderful epiphany for a kid that young to have. Right. Because then he found Danny Gatton, and he found Robin Ford and, and Eric Johnson, you know, and some of the rock guys. And then so, so there's this... That describes Josh. He's just he starts there with the blues, and is, he's as great as any blues player I've ever heard. But has all this other stuff. So I kept seeing these videos, and he always had a great band. So I just I somehow got his number. I forget who I reached out to, but I I, I just said, man, I just want to tell you, I just really love your playing, and oh man, thanks. And he knew, you know, he was yeah. a fan of mine, and so we stayed in touch. He said, hey man, I just finished a recording studio out here in my house. Come out and record. I'm like, okay. Oh, he, so he's in the local area. No, no, he's in he's in uh, he's in L.A. Oh, okay. So he said, "Yeah, just come, you know, come out and record, man." I said, "Look, I would love to. Just you pick you pick the band. I just want this to be different than my thing. I want to not that I want to make a blues record, but you, let's you, I'll write some stuff. You write some stuff, and so we just kind of over, over we had a, a two and a half days to record right before one of the Nam shows, right before COVID. That's why the record hasn't come out yet. Yeah. So we uh, get out there, and he has this wonderful band: Lamar Carter on drums. Uh, Travis Carlton on bass, Larry's son, yeah. incredible bass player, and a guy named uh, uh, Darren Johnson who played with Miles Davis on keyboards. So there's a collection of players, and his yeah. studio was amazing. And so Josh, Josh played on one tune, but the point was to just for me to come out there, kind of be the artist, but then have somebody else at the helm. Yeah. So Josh, you know, really produced the record. Kind of, I was co-producing and arranging. Right. Um, and so that'll come out. I'm calling it Electric Truth. Kind of the name of the band, but the name of the record, Electric Truth, something different. Interesting, sure. Yeah, uh -huh. right. So, um, and it's a really cool record. There's some some of my kind of instrumental ballady things that I do, but there's some good funky, bluesy stuff on it. It's right, really really right, fun. Right, right. So that's coming up, and then there's some some live dates are starting to be booked. Of course, 2022 is the first uh, even attempt we're going to have it 
going back to Europe and in the Pacific Rim. Oh, really? But there's okay, there's yeah. tentative gigs in Europe in in uh, in, in I want to say March and April, and then in the fall Pacific Rim. I've had a couple of dates up in up in um, New York in September, but those have been pushed back to November now. Yeah, sure. There's a venue up there called the Iridium that we always play, and it's, it's okay. where Les Paul used to do his his residency on the yeah, on the Mondays. And uh, at the, the, the local guitar sanctuary, we're doing August thirteenth. There's a, there's a record that just came out um, that I did with a couple with Greg and Matt Bissonette, uh, incredible brothers. That they went to North Texas, but uh-huh. um, went on to be just one of the great, well, not separately and and together. But uh, Greg Bissonette now tours with Ringo, but he was in David Lee Ross band. Oh wow! When you sure. know Eat yeah. and Smile came out, he was he, he was that blonde drummer. And Matt's Matt has he's been with Elton John for years. Wow. These are like A team. Road studio guys. Wow. So we did a record together. Matt Bissonette is an incredible bass player, but he sings and writes these great tunes. So the band is called the Red Coats with two Ds, Red Coats. And it's kind of fusion, funk, Latin, rock. It's it's like the most incredible combination of just wow. stuff. And we're we're doing our first gig ever at the Guitar Sanctuary on, on August thirteenth. Oh, well, that could here. be very interesting. You need to come out. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be something, man. Yeah, the sanctuary is a great great venue. It is. I'm mean, so it's blessed to have that. Venue. It's kind yeah. of in my backyard, you know. It's yeah. like I don't have to yeah. go to Dallas <laughs> as much, you know. I still, of course, I love playing Dallas, sure. but sure. I'm very I'm very spoiled. And the guy that 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 owns the place, George Fuller, is now our mayor, but he's. He's been one of my best friends since the '80s. I've I've, yeah. I've known him since 1988. So let's just say yes, that this is a good town for me to be in. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, it's, yeah, very good. I have good friends here. So when you wander into the KNON studios, the new studios now. Oh wow! Yeah. I don't, I don't know that a, I don't know that I've been since the tornado. Yeah. So so um, you know the tornado blew apart God. the building we were in. Which is completely gone now. It's gone. Lot. Oh, oh my, yeah, the oh building was God, uh, so sad, man. structurally unsound. They gave oh. they gave the station forty eight hours, I think it was, to clear out. Wow. And it was you know all hands on deck to carry out salvage. the furniture. The, the we were very lucky. A lot of the equipment survived. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. And wow. the, uh, wow. the big board needed some some work. We worked mm. on um, on uh, regular. You know, guitar center mixers for a while. Wow, <laughs> it was it was amazing. Anyways, wow, we stayed wow, on the wow. air. We were we were back on the air within 36 hours. That's incredible. Oh yeah, it was. It where was. did you, where was the makeshift studio? Where did yeah. you have to go? <laughs> so mm-hmm. the makeshift studio was uh, in the tower bunker. You know the 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 tower yeah. for KNON where our antenna is. Wow, is is on Cedar Hill. Wow, and, that's incredible. Um, they uh, they figured out my hands are up in air quotes. They figured out yeah. how to <laughs> get a mixer, plug it into the transmitter, and put the station back on the air inside of I think it was thirty hours. That's incredible. Oh, it was. Wow. It was. And we we broadcast from there because I was doing the morning show on yeah. Monday morning wow. uh, with with Action Annie. Um, we broadcast from there for oh, probably six months. And wow. <laughs> Now, where's the new location? The new location is on Coit Road, just north of the six the, the six thirty five. Okay, so okay. just up the street. Sort I got gotcha, you. Gotcha. Yep, yeah, and it's really nice. But you walk in, and there are posters from all the um, events yeah. that KNON has sponsored oh over there. Oh my God! And cool. your name, oh, is on 
at least a couple of dozen of them. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and you well, walk in, oh Andy Timmons was there. Yeah. Oh yeah, Andy Timmons. They couldn't get anybody else, I guess. <laughs> the guy that says yes. Hello. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> either say yes or you work cheap. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, no, but but wait, wait. I was supposed to get paid. What? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. There's, there's money in this? Yeah, wait, checks in the mail. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, no, man, so KNON awesome. has been, uh, tell me a little bit about your, your, your experience with KNON and influences and things well, like man, that. Well, man, I just, yeah, just obviously uh, love the station the way it's, it's always supported independent and local programming, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I, some of my fond, a couple of my fondest uh, associations when Mark Wilkerson, a good friend of mine, would sure. take over the Cowhide Coal program oh, yeah. and do a, sur- do a surf show. So I got to go to the studio several times and uh, and play a little bit live. Eventually, bringing uh, I think the, the Secret Agent Men, this little surf band I was playing bass in for a yeah. while, played there. <laughs> but I would take my guitar up, and the Nick Nick Kinnerk, another guitar player friend of mine, that would join me. But I actually I I, I arranged to do a couple of interviews on the air. The first one was sure. with um, was with the guitar player from the Surfaris. And my goodness, I'm going to forget his name right now because my memory's horrible, being 57. But so we, yeah, we, we, you know, with, with Mark Wilkerson, it was, uh, I, and I, I have a surf recording that I haven't released. I've got a, oh really, a, a, surf a Dick Dale kind of, a Dick Dale surf oh, kind of wow. ventures <laughs> kind of record. So, but so I'm a huge fan of the music. I really revere, you know, yeah. the ventures and the Safaris and Dick Dale especially. But uh, so it was great to be a, a part of that and to, to have a, a local station that would feature that kind of thing you know yeah. it's just where are you going to get that and it's just just incredible no way everybody and then the, the guy that i was on the show with your the metal guys right right, you know, right. I, th- I think they were already in the new location but i, I did it from uh, my studio here just oh you just dialed in or, yeah or remotely in, yeah. yeah but i look yeah. forward to coming to the new to come to the, the new, new studio is really nice um and uh it's um uh air conditioned <laughs> always good <laughs> yeah, always yeah. Good. <laughs> well there are some times there was a yeah. times in the old place because yeah. um, you could hang meat. It was so cold. Oh really? You know, okay. Was a meat locker. In oh there. boy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this was. It can be this, too extreme. Yeah. This is this is a little nice. It's very nice. It's very nice. You can ask you can ask my buddy Nick when I do my video recording in here for my for my website. I like it pretty chilly. Like David Letterman used to like his theater. Yeah. He didn't want to perspire at all. So yeah. Nick has to wear like a parka when he comes to work. <laughs> comes to work. So I, I can there's there's pluses and minuses to that. Yeah. All right. Real good. Well. Okay. So um, I'm going to give you a chance. Yeah. Talk to your fans. What do you want to tell them? Oh man! Well, I just if if, if in fact there is a fan out there, uh, thank you for <laughs> thank you for listening, the both of you. No, I'm I'm just I'm so honored and uh, and thankful now more than ever. Like I said, I'm 57, so I've been playing guitar since you know I was about five years old. So I, I should be a lot better by now. But uh, I'm gonna keep working on. But to to even have um, you know any kind of career going at this point is uh is very humbling and i i never take it for granted but i really do feel like um i'm just kind of tapping into potential you know i think i think the guitar has a long way to go as far as the level of expression that it has the potential to sure. present you know guys like jeff beck who who's another hero yeah. and pat Matheny, i think have uh have raised that bar significantly so these guys show us the way and we try to you know pick up and 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 to keep just to, just to keep writing music that resonates with people hopefully and to keep mm-hmm. playing better you know um so i'm again thankful for anybody that's ever taken the time to 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 dig what what i'm doing and um just stay tuned you know i'm gonna keep doing it all right yeah. and the new album is the electric truth that'll come out in september in september all right well yeah man 
Well, don't forget to send a copy to oh, uh, definitely. the station. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm sure it will get played. Dan, thanks yeah. for checking out the Sgt. Pepper <laughs> record. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, no, that was awesome. La uh, labor love, it. like I say, just for those folks that well, that's, I mean, grew up know, with that music. You, know? you, you talk about your older brother yeah. who bought all that stuff. Yeah. He's my age. Okay, there you yeah. go. Okay, so great. I, so lots you know. of hours in the living room. Yeah, that was at it. Friend's we, house. We you just lay the there under the speakers, and, and you just keep flipping it. Yeah. Go, side A, side B, side A. Yeah, side it's a. It, you know, music yeah, is a different a. thing yeah. now. It's I think it's there's obviously quite a bit of importance, but right, it it can be secondary sometimes. But there are those that still listen deep, and I and I'm grateful for those folks. You know, and a, a couple of my friends actually had monaural systems. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. That's how old it is. Right? And I still collect, I, I want to I collect the mono and stereo versions because there's all these little variances and oh, they're, they're all, the, all, all the geeky stuff. It's, you, know? It, you know, when you listen to it, even on the downloads from uh, iTunes, yeah, yeah. Listen, they, they, they do post the mono versions. Oh, yeah, there you go. And there's a tremendous difference. Between well, the, 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 pepper, the pepper and mono, is. Yeah. A, there's some things that are, that are better. There's some things that aren't as good as the stereo. Right. The Beatles weren't present for the stereo mix. They were only present right. for the mono mix. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So right, that's right. Yeah. so some producer engineer decided how to make it stereo. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah exactly. It would have been Jeff Emmerich and and, uh, right. and George Martin. They, they they were they were capable right. and did a great job. But yeah, it's it's I love those little differences cuz yeah. it's a different way to experience this material that we love so well, much. Well, and the whole the whole thing about the piccolo trumpet. Oh, the Brandenburg concerto, yeah. Yeah, well, whether it whether they were going to put it on the end. The, oh, the end of the of the, the, yeah, the, the, end, the, the, end, the, right. the very first promo single that got sent to radio. Had the, had that trumpet, right? That got left off the final because right. they wanted to have that 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 noisy thing. But it's great. I want to hear the alternate version. You know, I saw a um, a video. Um, Elvis Costello hmm. did uh, Penny Lane oh. for uh, Obama when he well, was. Well, that was at the White House. I remember at seeing the that. At the White House. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And, and they used a the the uh, piccolo trumpet player was from the military band. Oh, great. It was awesome. He was in full dress. Oh, that's just fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I remember him doing Penny Lane. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Andy. Sam, thank you. You're really good. appreciate You're it. You're good at this. This is not your first interview. I don't believe that for a second. He's telling, he was telling me this is his first one. I'm like, no. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you very yeah. much. Hey, folks, thank you. You have been listening to Behind the Music here on KNON Podcast. Behind the Music is a production of Lone Star Sound in association with KNON Radio. This is Sam Baker speaking.